We believe your spirit's present today. And I've said it other times, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we believe that we're engaged in something this morning that's more than just intellectual. And so, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, open our minds, open the ears of our hearts so we hear what you're trying to say to us this morning. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, one of the things we say at Exodus, or you, you may have heard me say this, and we used to have a little stone thing that said, it said, we trust the Bible. That's kind of a core, core principle of our church. We trust the Bible. We trust, we trust the Bible. All right? But the question I want to pose is why? Why do we trust the Bible? Um, and I have some other books up here. So this is uh, the Hebrew Bible, just the Old Testament. Uh, so a Jewish person, this is their Bible. But we say we trust this Bible. So, and then here's the Quran. Uh, Prophet Muhammad supposedly or claimed that he got all this revelation from the angel Gabriel. So this book, these words, uh, shape people's lives who are Muslim. But we say we trust the Bible. They say they trust this. Uh, this is the Lotus Sutra. It's one of the holy books of, of uh, Buddhism. I was getting my word out. Uh, of Buddhism, one of the holy books uh, about the Buddha, some things the Buddha said, and it's trusted by millions of people around the world, but, but we say we trust the Bible. So, Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith claims an angel by the name of Moroni gave him this uh, document, or these words, and millions of people around the world trust this. Actually, they, they put this over the Bible, Mormons do. A few more. Then there's the, uh, this is the, I always, I always have a hard time pronouncing this, Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Hinduism. It's one of their, they have many holy books, just like the Buddhists do, many holy books, and there are people that trust this book, trust these words, all right? Now, you may, that, that, that's, that's, we get that it's different cultures, different people, but some people trust this to give them their understanding of truth, right? CNN shapes your truth. Other people have this, shapes your understanding of truth, right? For us Americans, this is, these are the words, you know, you, we, our whole reality is shaped by this. Other people, Facebook, whatever you see on Facebook, you believe. Other people, TikTok, I don't know how to use it, but TikTok, I know it, it does shape people's opinions in the same way that the Quran might shape people's opinions, right? And the last one I think I have is Instagram, all right? You might read or hear things on Instagram that you, you believe the words and it shapes what you think. So the question is, again, if we say we trust the Bible... What does it mean? I mean, is it just because we're born in America? If you'd have been born in China, would you say, I trust this? And if so, is it just relative as to where you're born? And yeah, I trust the Bible, but I also trust Fox News. And CNN tells me things that the Bible doesn't help me. Or is the Bible trustworthy? And can we actually live our lives around the realities of the Bible? So we trust the Bible. But why? What does it mean? Uh, as opposed to just a statement of, yeah, we're, we trust the Bible. All right. So I've been doing a series. Uh, go to the next one, like pray like Jesus. So two things we always talk about is we need to learn to pray like Jesus and honor the Holy Spirit. You should have on your chairs one of those uh, blue, right here, things. 
So first week we did keep them safe from the evil one. And these are, these are really good ways just to pray for people. Really simple ways to remember. Pray. We did keep them safe from the evil one. Uh, last week we did make them holy by your truth. This is all parts of Jesus' prayer in John 17. These are things he prayed. And this week we're going to do the teach, your word, teach them your word, which is truth. Now again, context here before we read. It's the night Jesus was betrayed. So he's having the last supper with his disciples. They don't know it's the last supper. We just call it that now because we know it was before he died and was resurrected. But he had a long conversation with them. Actually, it was more of a monologue starting back way back in John 13. He washed their feet. He's talking to them quite a bit about what's going to happen. They still don't know what's going on totally. They think it's just a Passover meal. And then John 17 starts with, he stopped talking, said he looked to heaven, and he started to pray for these. There were now just 11 around the table because Judas had already got up and left because Jesus had basically told him, I know you're going to betray me, and Jesus, Judas got up and left. So there's 11 guys around the table, and Jesus prays. And Jesus knows what's coming next is trauma, confusion, all kinds of things they're not going to understand. So you can pretty well be assured that his prayer is from the deepest part of his heart, and it's the prayer he prays for them in a way that is the most meaningful in that kind of situation. So what he says must mean something. So that's why I've, I've highlighted this. That's why I've put this on this waterproof, tearproof paper for you to kind of think about how, what does it mean for us to pray like Jesus, and that he prayed for us in this way. So um, we're, flip over your, little, your paper, and we're going to start at verse 9. So this whole chapter is a, ver- is a prayer. Um, Again, he's sitting at the table, there around the table, he's looking up into heaven. Um, And I'll just start with verse 9, then we'll eventually get to the text we're looking at today. He says, my prayer is not for the world, he's talking to God, of course, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, they are staying in the world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so they'll be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction. He's talking about Judas who had already left. 13, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world so they'd be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. All right, that's a key thing. He talks about the word. God, I've given them your word. And he's not saying to them, he's not saying simply, I gave them copies of the Old Testament documents. He's saying to them, I've told them what you've told me, God. I've told them what you've said. I mean, many times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying to the disciples, "Um, the words I give you are not my own, they come from the Father. The words I speak are not my own, they come from the Father. The Father's words. And he talks about God's as your words. So this idea of words, all these books have words, and words shape our reality. So Jesus is saying, I gave them your word, And the world hates them because they don't belong to the world as I belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. That's the one prayer we already talked about. Keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. And then last week we talked about this. Make them holy by your truth. Remember holy and remember the three words I'd use to define holiness. Distinct, pure, and powerful. 
So holy is not like religiously stuffy. It's you are distinct, you're pure, you're powerful, you're alive, you're awake and free. So Jesus is praying for us, make them distinct and pure and powerful by the truth. Then we have this, then we're thrown into this, what's truth? And then Jesus says, teach them your word, which is truth. So that's the prayer we're going to look at today. So he he prayed for his disciples, he prays for us. God, make them holy by your truth. And then he adds, teach them your word, which is the truth. So let me just talk about the word truth. Go to the next slide now. So that was last week, right? Make them holy by your truth. And I want you to make a connection there that was good, interesting to me this week when this came together. You being alive, awake, and free, distinct, and pure, and powerful is strongly, if not explicitly, related to the truth. You can't be made, you can't be distinct, pure, powerful, full of the life of God without the Bible. And I'm saying that simply because uh, all the other things that tell us what truth is. Truth, Truth is basically, the definition of truth is whatever corresponds to reality. So, for example, I have over here, this is a yardstick. I think, the, I think the, the actual standard of yardstick is somewhere in some museum in London, but now it's all done by lasers and stuff, all right? That's the truth, all right? This is not the truth. I broke this this morning on purpose. We have more. This one from Menards is much better. If you need a good yardstick, get them at Menards, all right? But no, this, we, we, if I was measuring something, and this, not, this may not be to the micrometer or whatever, but... This is truth, this is not. Because this corresponds with reality, this does not. Two plus two is not five, because that doesn't correspond with reality. This is not a yard. It does not correspond with reality. So truth is whatever corresponds and tells us the most about reality. So are we saying, is it arrogant to say, this corresponds with reality, the way the world is, both visible and invisible, This does, but this doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't, this, this. Is that arrogant? Because does this correspond with reality more than anything else? In other words, does this tell us how the world is? Does this tell us how relationships work? Does this tell us how to connect with God? Does this tell us our origin, our reality, and our destiny? And do we trust it simply because we're born Americans and some of us are born growing up in the church? Or is there another reason to trust it? Because if Jesus is telling us, go to the next slide now, because this next slide is the whole, this is, this, this, this is the prayer for this week. If Jesus is at his moment of greatest, uh, he's going to die, he's, he's heavy-hearted, he knows what's coming, but he also knows something else is coming greater, the resurrection. But this is one of the things he prays for us it must be really, really, really important for us to be taught by God his word. Because Jesus says it's the truth. It's the truth. This is how, this is the yardstick for our lives. This tells us how to, I mean, the Bible has so many, the Bible talks about uh, relationships. It talks about money. It talks about sex. It talks about uh, our, eternal, our eternal destinies. And again, is that the only way to live life, or are these also true? And again, it's, 
The thing I think is, is challenging is, is I think, well, is it arrogant to say this is it? Is it arrogant to say this stands above all others? Um, some would say it is arrogant to say that. But then the question I'm going to ask us as we think about this, why we're supposed to be taught the word, why do we trust the Bible? Because we're told to? I mean, if I said, if I said, which I did say once to a Muslim guy I was talking, I said, well, I trust the Bible. And he said, well, I trust the Quran. So is it just a battle of who can yell the loudest? So one of the things that I want to impress upon you that, even, that I think comes from this, but I'll, we trust the Bible because Jesus trusted the Bible. And we trust Jesus. Because Jesus in the, in the New Testament frequently quoted from the Old Testament, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written. He spoke as if what was said in the Old Testament was not only just true, but it was from God. So he trusted the Old Testament scriptures. And then even with the New Testament scriptures, he told the disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I said and did. So Jesus is giving implicit trust to whatever these guys ended up writing down, which we now know is the New Testament. Jesus was confident the Holy Spirit was going to be behind it. So when I tell people I trust the Bible, and I hope you would think this way too, I don't just trust the Bible because I just think it's better. I trust the Bible because I trust Jesus, the person of Jesus who lived historically, who trusted the Bible. So if he trusted the Bible... I have to bank my whole life on what Jesus trusted, if he trusted the Bible. So then we have, the, then he's praying that God teach them your word, which is the truth. Like I said, over and over in the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying, talks about the Father's words, but he also says, my words. If you don't obey my words, if you hear my words. And the reality about the words the words that Jesus speaks and the word of God that Jesus talks about, Jesus talks about it in a way you can listen to the word, you can reject the word. Jesus talks about people who reject the word. You can, the word can be forgotten, can be obeyed, it can be disobeyed. Old Testament talks about people returning to the word of the Lord. So that's what Jesus is praying for, but so if he's praying... God that are teach them your word then how do we how does that happen this is just a real I'll just be really simple about this um, we can only be taught the word if you read the word if you're in a habit of reading it and I was talking to somebody a while ago and they said the one thing they constantly encourage people to do is if you do nothing else be in the habit of reading the Bible and we don't read the Bible to win in jeopardy on the category of the Bible. We don't read the Bible just simply to have verses to throw at people to argue. We read the Bible because Jesus believed it was so vital for us being alive, awake, and free, distinct, and pure, and powerful that if we read the Word, if we're taught the Word, because we read the Word and God then teaches us the Word, if we understand that, then we become the kind of people that He wants us to be. It can't happen otherwise. So, like, 
And God will bring things to mind. I, there was one time years ago, I was having an argument with one of my brothers. I have four of them, so we had many arguments throughout the years. But, and it was an argument about who, it was stupid, who could keep the original newspaper article about one of my other brothers? Because I had a copy, I had a Xerox copy too. We argued about who got the Xerox, who got the original. Really stupid argument, right? I think I won the argument, but anyways, really stupid argument. But as we're arguing, as I walked away, I'd been reading that month, there's, I think there's 30 Proverbs, 31 Proverbs. I'd been reading a proverb of a day for that month, you know, Proverbs 4 on the 4th. And that night, I get home that night, and I'm reading the proverb for the day, I'm doing my spiritual thing, and one of the phrases was, pride causes quarrels. I was like, ooh, was that about, the, yeah, was that pride causes quarrels. Because if we're taught the word and it's truth, it helps us align to ourselves. Because I had to realize it wasn't about original or copy. It was about I wanted my way. Right? And then there's other times when God brings the word to mind, when, whether it's about money, whether it's about generosity, whether it's about forgiveness, whether it's about sexual purity. God, we, 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 te- we learn those things. God teaches those things so we can live in a way that's fully alive, awake, and free, distinct, and pure, and powerful. So I, 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 got a, I, got a, I got a phone call this week. I was telling Stephanie Michael this because she remembers him. There used to be a guy that attended a church years ago here. His name was Huck Finn. And if anybody remembers Huck, he had like a handlebar mustache. But I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen him in probably 10 years. But this relates to, because one of the things, he called me this week. I haven't talked to him in probably at least 10 years. He called me this week as he was driving across town in Seattle or somewhere like that. I think it was Seattle. And he said he remembered one of the sermons I preached once, and it was basically from the Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I said, part of that is we have to learn to speak truthfully, and we're really good at being factual but not truthful. My example was sometimes I'll be late getting home, and I might tell Kathy, well, there's a slow car in front of me. Well, the reality was that, that's factual. But the reality was I left work later than I should have. There was a slow car in front of me. I would have been late anyway. So I wasn't being truthful, but I was being factual. All right. So Huck calls me this week and he tells me, I'm driving home and I was going to be late and there was a car pile up on the highway. So I was going to tell my wife there was a pile up. But then I realized I also stopped at Taco Bell to get a snack. And that's really why I was going to be late. But he said, then it made me realize I want to be truthful and not factual. So in other words, this is how the word of God inside of us shapes our reality so we have relationships that are whole and healthy because we learn to be truthful and not deceptively factual. Whether, or whether it's a, you know, a sexuality issue or a, it's a money issue. There's times that maybe you felt this way, but I felt this way where God wants you to be generous with your money in a way that doesn't make sense to you, but you believe in, the, in Jesus words about generosity or when you got called to forgive somebody you don't want to forgive or Jesus says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and Jesus says you know if if we live by that truth we will be holy we will be alive awake and free distinct and pure and powerful so um, again we don't we don't study the Bible just to get knowledge we study the Bible because this is how God teaches us and this is how we're made holy. This is how we're made distinct and pure and powerful. So, um, again, uh, if, if you don't have a habit of reading the Bible, you don't have to have one this big and heavy. 
You can have, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. There's all kinds of ways to get in the habit of reading the Bible because then you put yourself in a place where God can teach them, teach you um, the Bible. He can, he can in, infuse it into your soul so that your relationship with your friends, your spouse, your neighbors, your enemies, your kids um, become shaped by the truth of how, what God says. And um, So here's go to the next slide here. So uh, Jesus prays for us this way. He prays for Terry Followell. God, teach Terry your truth. He prays for Judy Downey. God, teach Judy your truth. Teach him the word, which is truth. But we can also pray for others that way. All right? So there's times when I'm, I think about somebody. Just say I was thinking about someone not at this church, somebody I know. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to pray for them that God would teach them truth. Not, but I was, I was not trying to be overly spiritual. I just thought sometimes if you just have a, a phrases like this in your head, just like, God, I'm going to pray that you would teach them your word. I do pray for my kids that way. I pray for my wife that way. I pray for myself that way. I pray for you that way. God, would you teach all of us your word, which is true, so we can live in that way. So here's what I'm going to do. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of two people that you're going to pray for right now that God would teach them his word as the source of truth for their lives, all right? So, uh, and you're going you're gonna to whisper names in a second, and then all together we're going to say out loud, teach them your word, all right? So, um, just get those two people in your mind, and in a second I'm going to say one, two, three, and I want you to whisper their names out loud just so you can hear them, all right? But these are people you're going to pray for, so you're whispering so you can hear it, but also, of course, God hears it. All right, uh, two names on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, now on the count of three, out loud so we can all hear it. Uh, we'll say together, teach them your word. And we're, of course, we're talking to God now. All right, one, two, three. Teach them your word. God, our, our prayer for those we love and our prayer for ourselves is not that our reality is shaped by television news, internet news, or the thoughts of our culture. Um, we want our lives, our realities, our relationships, and our thoughts to be shaped by your word. In your words, Jesus, and the words of God that show up in the Bible the word spoken by the prophets, the word written down by Moses. But Jesus, the words you spoke, the words that your Holy Spirit put inside of Paul and Peter when they wrote books in the Bible and John and Matthew and Mark. God, those are the words we want to not just hear. We want to hear, we want to obey, and we want our lives to be shaped and molded and transformed by your words that we believe is the only source of truth and the only pathway to being distinct and pure and powerful and the only avenue for us to really know you, God, and have a relationship with you. So, God, would you teach them, would you teach all of us your word? Would you bring to mind even um, people this week that we can just simply pray for? God, teach them your word, which is truth. But we also, would we also be committed ourselves, not just to studying the Bible, 
but to allowing ourselves to be taught by you, God, as we read the Bible. And that's what I pray for all of us in our closing this morning. God, as each of us read the Bible this week, would you be an active teacher through your Holy Spirit so you can teach us the word, shape us by the truth, and then lead us into being um, holy men and women who are distinct and pure and powerful, who are part of changing the world that you've designed and in the way that you've designed us, changing through the power of the love of Jesus. So we want to be those kind of people. So we love your word. We trust your word. Uh, we trust the Bible. Uh, but most of all, we trust Jesus and all of his words. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we, uh, we'll finish, we finish every week with communion. And the, go to the, the red slide, Stephanie. This is how Jesus ended his prayer. Or not ended. He was ending this part of the prayer in John 17. He said, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. He's talking to God. So Jesus, again, in this hour, in this hour of super laser focus for Jesus, because he's going to walk into his arrest and crucifixion, he's praying for us to be holy by his truth. But the significant event that had to happen to make that all possible was I give myself as a sacrifice. Because then something breaks in the invisible world. The temple curtain is torn in two. We have a way to know God. And because we have a way to know God, we have a way to be taught by God. So Jesus said, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by the truth. So this is what we celebrate. Um, even when he prayed that, the disciples probably had no idea what he's still talking about. They realized it later. So this is the holy sacrifice for us so that we can be made holy by God's truth. That's what this is. Communion, the Lord's table, the Eucharist, whatever else you call it, it's the holy sacrifice for us so we can be made holy by God's truth. So here's how we do it at Exodus. We, um, come on up. When, once we start singing, Aaron's going to lead us in a few songs. Everybody, ta you take a wafer. Uh, we just dip it in the cup. Most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seat. But uh, let me pray. So God, we... We remember this act of Jesus not, not simply as a historical reality. It is a historical reality. But we also remember this as what Jesus described it as, his holy sacrifice for us so we can be made holy. So as we take this wafer and this cup into our bodies, um, let it, let it this morning be, God, our invitation to you to teach us. God, for you to teach us your word so we can be made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Uh, we're grateful for what you have done, what you did on the cross, and what you are continuing to do for us. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.